Vox Quick Hits. When the pandemic hit, corporate America really wanted us to know that they were here for us. Commercials from brands saying we're all in this together were everywhere. So were ads calling their workers heroes. Now, a lot of companies would like us to forget the pandemic perks they handed out, especially the ones they gave to workers. For many businesses, extra pay and flexible hours are out the window. Working from home isn't sounding like such a good idea after all. Anna North is a senior correspondent at Vox. She's here to discuss how COVID changed the way we work and whether we can or should go back. So, Anna, last time we talked, or I think last time we talked, we were talking about pandemic work burnout. But what's happening with workers now that places are beginning to open up again and people are going back to work or their workplaces are getting more normal? Yeah, unfortunately, what we sort of have happening is bosses and employers kind of acting like the pandemic never happened or kind of hoping we all pretend like the pandemic never happened. That looks a lot of different ways. You know, it looks like asking frontline workers to come back, but not necessarily paying them more, um, you know, paying them kind of pre-pandemic wages, even though they're not working under pre-pandemic conditions. You know, it looks like rolling back some of these pay increases that we saw during the height of the pandemic last year. It also looks like, you know, for sort of white collar jobs, we saw kind of a remote work revolution in the last year, but some companies kind of want to forget about that and are just saying, you know, no, only office work works. You got to come back into the office. And all this stuff is problematic given that we do still have a pandemic going on, right? And, you know, a lot of people are vaccinated, but some people aren't yet. A lot of frontline workers haven't actually had the chance to get vaccinated yet. And we also know that people who are immunocompromised might not be protected even if they are vaccinated. It's also a time when mask mandates and other restrictions are lifting. So for folks who aren't vaccinated, things might be more dangerous than ever in certain ways. It's a weird transitional time, and employers aren't necessarily always being respectful of that. So I do want to talk about what's happening with workers who haven't been working during this, right? And we are hearing a lot of talk about a labor shortage right now. Basically, this idea that people aren't necessarily in a hurry to go back to work. Um, we just had the jobs report. About 500,000 jobs were added to the economy, but we're still about 7 million short of where we were before the pandemic. Now, some employers are saying that this is because workers are getting too generous of unemployment benefits and they are not wanting to go back to work because of that. Is there another perspective here as well? So we see this a lot, I think, especially in the restaurant industry where, you know, a lot of restaurants closed either temporarily or permanently um, during the height of the pandemic. And a lot of them are trying to reopen right now or those that have been open are really expanding. They're expanding their capacity. They want to hire all around the country. You know, restaurants, hospitality are really looking to hire again. And a lot of employers are saying we can't find workers right now. And yes, a lot of them are sort of placing the blame on unemployment and saying, well, look, you know, people are making so much money on unemployment right now, they don't want to come back to work. You know, the flip side of that view is to say, as indeed, um, you know, one economist has said, well, if you can't find workers, what that means is not that they're not out there, but you can't find workers at the wages that you're willing to pay. So, you know, yeah, maybe you're saying, like, come work for me for 
$15 an hour, $14 an hour, people aren't necessarily willing to do that. It's especially true in the restaurant industry where wages are often way lower than that. You know, I say 15, like it's a thing around the country, but it's certainly not. And we have a tipped minimum wage in this country, which means that in a lot of places, if you are a tipped worker, like many restaurant workers are, you can make a minimum wage of two bucks an hour. So it, you know, perhaps it's not surprising that people are not flocking back to these jobs that frankly just aren't very well paid and that also were really hard even before the pandemic. You know, were long hours, often no benefits, often poor conditions. You were very vulnerable to sexual harassment, other issues. Then you add in a pandemic where people died because of their jobs, you know, got sick and died. And so there's a lot of folks who are saying, well, it's not surprising that, you know, folks are are waiting, you know, maybe want these jobs to be a little better before they're going to go back. And I do think it's also fair to say, you know, the jobs report from May just came out. There were quite a few jobs added in May and that wages went up a little bit, which could be a sign that these companies are sort of getting the message. If you want people to come in, maybe you have to pay them a little bit more. I think that's right. And, you know, as much as we sort of, you know, are criticizing some employers for not raising wages, I will say that I'm starting to hear this, too, of of people saying, you know, actually, we did have to raise wages in order to bring people in. And so I think we may start to be seeing some of the effects of this. And on top of not wanting to work maybe for low wages or just waiting out a better opportunity or maybe people just rethinking that they don't want to go back to these jobs, a lot of workers, you know, whether in retail or restaurant or grocery, seem to be maybe just fed up with their employers, right? They offered very little protections during the pandemic. Hazard pay was a short-time thing. Are people just kind of over it? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot about grocery store workers here. So these were not supposed to be dangerous jobs. I talked to a grocery store worker last year who said, like, I didn't sign up for the military. I signed up for Walmart, right? Like, no one thinks I'm going to work in a grocery store. This is going to be something where I'm going to put my life on the line. But suddenly people were. And a lot of workers that I've talked to said that, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, their employers were just not taking this seriously. You know, they were saying, it's not a real pandemic. It's just like the flu. We don't need to provide you with PPE. We don't need to limit the capacity in our stores. We don't need to make sure that customers wear PPE or that customers keep their distance from one another or from you. These are just complaints that we heard over and over where people just really felt like, you know, they're suddenly being asked to do this incredibly dangerous job and their employer really isn't doing the minimum to keep them safe. After there was this outcry, you know, things started to change a little bit. PPE became more common. And a lot of the big companies started offering um, hazard pay. Sometimes they'd call it hero pay or hero bonuses. Usually a couple dollars an hour added to your pay, sort of in recognition of the danger that people were facing. And places got a lot of press for that. But then by last summer... About half the big companies that had instituted a hero pay or hazard pay had gotten rid of it. Starting tomorrow, Kroger, the country's largest grocery chain, will end the extra $2 an hour of hero pay for essential workers. Amazon, Walmart, Starbucks and Target are following suit by the end of the month. I should say some big companies are talking a lot about raising wages right now. Amazon is talking about raising wages. Um, There's others, you know. A lot of these big retail giants have gotten a lot of criticism and are sort of responding, but there are others who haven't. And, you know, I talked to a cashier at a Food for Less in Los Angeles where they're really fighting for very small wage increases and, and you know, to be treated fairly by a company that has really asked so much of them over the last year. So I do think there's this sense of like, yeah, you know, employers weren't even necessarily doing the bare minimum. Why should employees be doing the maximum for them? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I do remember last year it went so quickly from we're here from you and our workers are heroes and how far we've come now to where it's like, why are people so lazy and they won't take these low wage jobs? So corporate employers are also trying to get people back into the office, but not everybody is so eager about that. What's going to happen to the work from home structure that we've had over the past year? Are we all just kind of headed back to the office? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting question because I think for a lot of folks, and I mean, I've been working from home this whole year, so I'm one of these people. Working remotely has been a real double-edged sword. There were a lot of memes um, during the height of the pandemic about like, you're not working from home, you're living at work. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I talked about this in some of my earlier pieces that working from home could sort of erode the boundaries between your work and your life. And suddenly, you know, you're answering emails at all hours. A lot of workers actually worked more hours at the beginning of the pandemic than before. So there was a sense of just work consuming everything, which is bad. (laughs) At the same time, people get and got a lot of flexibility from working from home. I mean, it was a real lifesaver for a lot of people who were taking care of kids last year to at least be able to get some of their work done while they were, you know, with the other hand, trying to handle homeschool, trying to handle childcare. And going forward, I think it provides this real opportunity for flexibility. Um, You know, I talked to one Harvard Business School professor who kind of talks about a work-from-anywhere model. Basically, there are ways in which working from home can actually be a lot more inclusive because it means that anyone with care responsibilities has that flexibility, you know, and that means it's a lot better for women. It's a lot better for anybody who might have an older parent or a child they're taking care of. So the question now is like, having seen this kind of flexibility, how are companies going to respond? And I think some of them are eager to keep the flexibility and others, you know, some big names include Goldman Sachs, include JP Morgan are saying like, no, no, we really want our employees back in the office. Like this year we had to do it because of the pandemic, but like, you know, it's back to back to suits and cubicles for us. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing an anecdote about Goldman. I don't remember when, but that the CEO at some point had seen some of like the lower workers out to lunch at some point (laughs) over the past year and was like, wait a minute, what is going on? And then that like specifically has stuck with him. That's really funny. Um, Yeah, I mean, another CEO of a different company was quoted in the Times as saying that Zoom is such a culture killer and comparing it, comparing the rise of Zoom to the rise of cigarettes. So I think like... Among some executives, there's really the sense that, you know, if remote work doesn't destroy productivity, which is some people's concern, that it's just going to, like, destroy the cohesion of a company and that people all have to come back into the office to prevent that from happening. I guess the big question here is, is there a fix to all of this? Which I guess all of this is a lot because, obviously, if you're working at J.P. Morgan, your life is quite different than if you're working for Walmart. But... Does American work culture on the whole need to change? I think there are a couple of answers to that question because, as you say, it kind of has a lot of parts. One is just around money, right? Like we talked about, we are already starting to see wages rise in some places. That's the biggest thing a lot of worker advocates are calling for. You know, what they're really saying in particular, advocates I talked to from the restaurant industry are saying, listen, you know, we really need a living wage. It's not enough to say, you know, here in New York City, for example, we have a $15 minimum wage, but that's actually not a living wage in New York City. That's not a living wage in San Francisco. It's not a living wage in Los Angeles, a lot of places around the country. And so really calling to look for, like, 
what is actually a wage that lets you have a decent life and care for your family and actually paying workers that. I think there's more attention than ever on what that wage would look like and how would we get to it as a society. Another thing to point out is that I think the pandemic has really drawn attention to a lot of things that people are facing when they're working, especially low-wage service jobs, including grocery store jobs, restaurant jobs. People were really speaking out and being heard Folks have been telling me that workers have some leverage, right? If there's a worker shortage, right, then workers have a little bit more choice in terms of how and where they work. For example, Rakeen Maboud, who's at Groundwork Collaborative, told me this is a moment for employers to create the workplaces that people want to work in. For the longest time, there's been this enormous power imbalance in favor of employers, in favor of CEOs, right? Now workers are maybe getting back a tiny bit of that power, and it's time to give them a little bit of what they want, a lot of what they want. You know, again, I'll mention this work from anywhere model that some folks are talking about. And the idea there is sort of allowing workers not just to work from home, but actually not to be tied necessarily Mm -hmm. to even the city where their offices are located. And that has challenges for the employer, including, you know, doing team building over Zoom and things like that. And ideally, according to the expert I talked to about this, Raj Chowdhury, ideally bringing folks together in person a couple times a year. Um, But it has real benefits too. Things like letting people move back to where their elderly parents live if they need care and help or if those parents can provide childcare. But I do think that the pandemic gave us this like tiny, tiny look at like what it could look like to have a really flexible workplace, Mm -hmm. not just like claiming that your workplace is flexible. And I think for, you know, the best companies to work for, I hope they take advantage of that. Yeah. Although to be fair, I'm sure a lot of people want to go back to the office. I will be headed in a few days a week, I hope at least. (laughs) I'm sick of sitting by myself. (laughs) That's fair. I mean, I think I'm going to go back at least a few days a week, too. And it's, you know, not to, like, put Vox on blast, but it's nice that they're allowing us to choose there. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for being here, Anna. Thanks so much for having me. Anna North is a senior correspondent at Vox, and you can find her on Twitter at Anna North Tweets. I'm Emily Stewart, and this is Tell Me More. Our producer is Sophie Lalonde. You can find more stories from Vox in the Vox Quick Hits feed wherever you get your podcasts. What does your job look like after the pandemic? Let us know and email us at tellmemore at voxmedia.com.